Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. They talk, talk, talk about, talk about songs. We certainly do, and we haven't done it in a while, but I'm so thrilled that my co-host is back from his sojourn on another continent. I'm Sarah D. Bunting, and I'm the co-host of Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. Mark, Welcome back. Thank you, thank you. Uh, yeah, we, my husband and I, Andrew Byrne, who wrote and performed that theme song that you just heard, were on a vacation to celebrate our fifth wedding anniversary, and it was incredible. Every moment of it was incredible. So, but it's it's of course wonderful to be back, Sarah. And I have to say, coming back to this opportunity to do this with you is something to look forward to, or was something to look forward to, and it it lessened the sting of no longer being on vacation. I am so glad. I am so glad to hear that. Um, but no, we are not doing Eye of the Tiger by Survivor, despite the fact that Andrew and Mark were on Safari. We are doing a selection uh, that was on Mark's list for quite a while, going back almost a year and a half. I think you put, I think you put this song on our this ideas was in the, list. This was in my early. initial, this was one of the first songs that I wrote down on our list of potential episodes back in the day. All right. Back when America's president was still someone that you could trust, if, that, if you can remember that far <laughs> oh, back. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that seems like much longer ago. In any case, uh, Mark, why don't you tell us what song we're listening to and give us any intro slash chart facts that you would like before we hear the clip? Okay, so the song that I have chosen is Jesus Walks by Kanye West, and it is a song I have been dying to talk about for a long time, for a variety of reasons. Uh, number one, though, being the hot ass, bomb ass, and dope ass, triple ass beat. <laughs> so, without further ado, honestly, I think we should just roll that clip and then see where the day takes us. I'm with that. Let's go. Oh, to the hustlers, killers, murderers, drug dealers, oh. even the scrippers. To the victims of welfare, feel we living in hell here, hell yeah. Now hear he, hear he, wanna see thee more clearly. I know he hear me when my feet get weary. Cause we're the almost nearly extinct. We rappers as role models, we rap, we don't think. I ain't here to argue about his facial features. But here to convert atheists into believers. I'm just trying to say the way school need teachers. The way Kathleen needed Regis, that's the way I need Jesus. So here go my single dog, radio needs this. They said you can rap about anything except for Jesus. That means guns, sex, lies, videotape. But if I talk about God, my record won't get played, huh? Well, if this take away from my spins, which it probably take away from my ends, then I hope it take away from my sins and bring the day that I'm dreaming about. Next time I'm in the club, everybody's screaming out. God, show me the way because the devil's trying to break me down. Okay, so there are so many things to discuss here, particularly because Mr. West has never been on our podcast before, so we've never even talked about the whole thing that is Kanye West. <laughs> oh my but God. Sarah, I would like to start, though, uh, surprisingly perhaps, with Janet Jackson, and here's why. I love the song Rhythm Nation by Janet Jackson so much because it has this martial 
beat, this driving, insistent, uh, disciplined sound. And I can remember very clearly when that song came out in the late 80s, falling in love with that type of music, dance music that just insists that you get into lockstep as you pop your ass. Gosh, I just keep saying ass on this episode. Oh, well. Um, but <laughs> it is so, ass to ass after all. That is, <laughs> Mark and Sarah talk about ass. They talk, talk, talk about, talk about ass. <laughs> In the metaphorical sense, that does often end up being true. It I really is most true. Most of the Eagles, Eagles single talking about how I would fuck Don Henley if he hummed a few bars of one of these nights. <laughs> <laughs> That's, I know you did. Which, P.S., oh, that gem of a single that you recorded was amazing. And I bless you for that. Thank you so much. But, uh, so that just, so basically, since the late 80s, I have been emotionally and spiritually primed to respond to a song that sounds like Jesus Walks. And, Sarah, I just wonder if you have a similar response to the sound of this song, which I just find so thrilling because it's so, it's so, what's the word I'm looking for? Insistent, visceral? isn't visceral, but there's also a sense of like, it's, this beat is in charge. It's, yeah. this is a beat that is like, you have to pay attention to me. And what I love also about the beat is that if you listen to it carefully, he changes it up so much, even in the short sample that we hear so that, Sometimes there's the like choir in the background, then that random flute sound comes in, but always on top of that Marshall driving rhythm. And I just find that consistency with the little Phillips and improv and little Phillips and, and uh, improvisations on top of it. I find it so thrilling. And I just wonder if the sound, the sheer sound of this song, impacts you. It does. This here's from my notes. I was like, I hate the word propulsive in any kind of cultural critique. But this is one of those times that I really wish we could come up with a more uh, like a synonym that's less like annoying and Rolling Stone from the 90s -y, um, <laughs> because it really does draw you in and then carry you along, which is the meaning or the intent, at least, of when critics use propulsive that it's sort of like, well, can't you just say compelling? Well, it's not always the same thing. Um, I should say that... I am one of those people who is kind of Amish about the entire Kimye thing. Like, I have mm -hmm. managed to, like, dive under every wave of Kardashian slash Kanye. Like, I am aware of them as a them and separately. I, like, I'm going to let you finish. Like, I, you know, I'm not actually a Mennonite. I do live in the world. Um, but I had never heard this song before. Oh, okay. interesting. So I listened to it once, and then I read a few things about it. And there's something about Kanye and, like, the coverage of Kanye that reminds me – stay with me here because you're going to get some whiplash. It reminds me of uh, in the kaleidoscopic way that he thinks and in the um, – simultaneously impatient and accepting way that the culture receives the weird zigzags of his mind. There is mm -hmm. a Werner Herzogian quality mm. to his, he doesn't apologize for his preoccupations because I think he can't, 
Like, I, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know this person, and like I said, I'm not, I'm not familiar with his oeuvre, but I, I am, I am familiar with the sort of conventional wisdom that he is a genius, but also is right on that line of madness that is always there with great yes. talent, and. It's funny because we've talked about Beyonce before on the podcast and everything that he's doing, like for some reason when uh, the queen does it, I'm like, eh, like I see what you're trying to do. It doesn't work for me. But here there is that like his collaging is so much more effective for me. It's a great song sonically. Mm-hmm fucking getting Kathy Lee and Regis into like the third of a hello like internal rhyme of four is hot it's not easy to do and this song sounds like it could have dropped this year and it's from 2004 Mm -hmm. so I was really pleased to get to know this song and sort of interact with Kanye as like on the level of his actual job and not this like weirdo cultural figure who is maybe not so great with the social norms. So yeah, that was, that was fun. Thank you for that. Well, you know what? No, you're so welcome. And I am so glad that you like the song. And I think it's so telling what you're saying about this, him doing his job instead of him being Kanye West TM. Uh, music yeah. world celebrity or whatever. Because this song comes from his very first album, The College Dropout. And that album, I have all of Kanye West's albums. So I, I, because even when he goes completely off the rails as a public figure and does seem to tip over into uh, ego-driven madness, which happens honestly more and more, (laughs) I still think his music, his music is so brilliant that I still want to hear it even if I only want to hear it once. I just want to hear what he's up to. And it's so interesting that, you know, in this song, he's talking about needing Jesus. And then a few albums later, he was calling himself Jesus. And one of the songs on the, on the Jesus album actually lists God as his featured artist. It's just oh, honey. the, it's just like, it's so out of control. Although the Jesus album is great. It is so much a, Kanye West has stopped being relatable in any conceivable way. He has lost all ties to things that everyday people experience. And now what we are watching is someone who has been trapped within the bubble of extreme fame. And so now only has the feedback loop of his own narrow experiences on which to draw because he is not the kind of artist who is trying to lower his profile the the feeding of his profile seems to be his greatest artistic engine and so now he is only making music in the echo chamber of his own identity whereas in his first album he was making music uh, as an artist with a lot of confidence with a big ego absolutely but he was still remembering and able to write about needing Jesus in his life, about working at the Gap. There's a song on the first album that's about working at the Gap, uh, songs about unpaid bills, things like that. So I like thinking about the progression of I am going to write a song about needing Jesus to releasing an album where I am Jesus. And I find the latter half of that sentence to be exhausting in many ways. (laughs) But I am so glad to go back and revisit the Kanye West here because also there's something about a brilliant artist who still has to prove himself that I think makes the work more exciting. Like there's something 
urgent and focused in Jesus walks that you kind of don't get in his weird new projects where he just assumes that everyone's going to watch. And so he, he doesn't have to be as disciplined anymore because he's now going to do this. Like he's just able, it's not like he's lost. He, it's not like he stopped being compelling, but he's just given, given so much latitude to do whatever he wants that it can be flabby sometimes it can be way 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 out there and it's always interesting but there's something disciplined and contained and controlled and hungry about this first album and this song that i find very appealing and that brings me back to being the kind of person who is still going to be willing to make jokes about kathy lee like and shove that in there and i i I, and also the sort of conversational style when he's like they were, uh, it seems I can rap about anything except for Jesus. Then huh? my record won't get played. Huh? <laughs> he does that, he does huh? A couple times. And there's something about this that's not, like, it doesn't just, like, it gets your attention sort of, like, on the way out the door, too, if that makes any sense. Like, the structure right. is interesting because the end of the song is uh, rather abrupt. Or not abrupt. Just like, yes. he's like, well, I'm done. And then the track ends like, oh, oh, (laughs) sure. Yes. Do more of that. And he also sometimes sounds a little overmatched by his own scansion. Like he's trying to Mm. like, he's trying to basically Tetris so many thoughts and rhymes into a single line that occasionally he gets behind his own beat. And it's like, but then they just left it in there because it was like, it, it works like it, it the um, form or not the form, fo- the content follows the form that he's sort of yes. like, well, no, 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 we need to do this this way. And I have so many thoughts about this that it should seem a little overstuffed and like not rushed, but that there's just maybe a little too much going on for this one narrative. But then at the same time, when he's gotten everything out, the song just ends and you're like, because right. usually there'd be a fade out. No, not really. There's like one more of the... Yeah, he would like do one more chorus or something. But you're right. Here, he's just like, Jesus walks with me. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Jesus That's and it. I are leaving. See ya. <laughs> and, you know, I just keep... Now I just keep thinking about how because it's... It, because he's like, this was his first album. And, you know, the history of this song is that this was one of the songs he created when he was trying to get that first record deal there's so much hunger in here. He's got so much that he still has to say. And it's not just purely about making formal experiments like some of his later music. And as so happens to so many brilliant and successful artists that their later music becomes more and more about keeping themselves interested. I feel like instead of keeping us interested. Yeah. If you know what I mean, but like here he's got so much to say and he's got to say it in a way that, He's like, and he and he needs us to hear it. Like, you're hungry because you you're not sure that anyone's gonna listen to you. So it's like, gives an urgency to it. And yeah, I totally get what you're saying and agree with you that there's that sense of I have been waiting for so long to say all of this that I've got to squeeze it all in into this verse. I think you can rap about anything except for Jesus. It's too many words, but I don't care because I have to say it all. Yeah, it's true, and he does, and that's why we know who he is, um, I, and that's why we're sort of like in this like latter-day meta cyclone of... Where the recent announcement of his impending third child with uh, Kim Kardashian... Is it Kim Kardashian? Yeah. Exactly. Like, the, their impending third child is, like, it's it's news. 
it's actually now news that he's having a third baby. Well, uh, we wish... Another thing that I loved about this song that... Yeah, God bless, y'all. Another thing I loved about this song that I didn't... That isn't in the clip is um, in the first verse when he starts making those weird gasping sounds. The, he try to catch it. <gasps> it's kind of hard. <clears throat> like he keeps gasping for air. I, I don't know if that's stuck out to you at all. Well, I it did, but only because he was talking about, it was in the context partly of talking about uh, men of color being in police chokeholds. And uh, to yes. my great dismay, that is part of what makes this song feel still so timely. I mean, part of it is just that it's a very well-built song that's built to last and not mm-hmm. sound particularly dated one way or the other. But that is still pertinent. So, but I, yeah, that was also like, yeah, we, we get it. Like you did, you only really had to do that once, but then like, actually he did need to do it all the times he did it. Like he, I think has a really good ear for his own, um, for what his, his work needs like i think he mm-hmm. has this eventually like unerring sense of what's going to play i'm not saying he's like cynical and that all the weird stuff he does is purposeful and an act i don't think it is but i think he also knows how to not go too far maybe i'm wrong right again i don't know him but i think i think that seems right and it's also so true that when he wrote this song this going back to the idea of the song being sadly relevant that was before the I can't breathe disaster. Yeah. You know, it's like he he was talking about this stuff in 2004 and the national conversation was about 10 years later. So that is kind of exciting to think about that he really was seeing clearly and talking clearly about these issues a long time ago. But, and maybe if we had listened actually, to Kanye where, then... Where is he from? Chicago? Uh, please hold. I will look that up. I think maybe because I I'll look I that feel up like there's a whole. This is in the um, outstanding thirty for. He is in fact. He was born in Atlanta and raised in Chicago. Okay. Yes. I was gonna say if he was from Los Angeles, there was a whole and there's a thing about this in uh, the OJ Made in America documentary, which folks, if you haven't watched it, it's outstanding. Oh it my won god! An Oscar Take for a, a reason. It won an Oscar, for, and it, I, it was the fastest seven hours of my viewing it, life. It really was. Um, well, except for that one episode with the crime scene photos, but you're going to know when those are coming. Anyway, the point is, there's a whole lead-up where they have some of the cops in the case talking about the beating that led to the um, verdict, that led to the riots, that sort of had this hangover effect on the OJ case and Mark Furman in particular is talking about how that whole thing could have been avoided if they had still been allowed to use chokeholds, the LAPD had still been allowed to use chokeholds to subdue quote subjects. So I was Mm. wondering like, was that still in the, in the conversation if you were from Los Angeles, but the fact is if you're, a person of color in anywhere, then the chokehold has probably come into your life. So, yeah. And the truth is I say that the national conversation didn't turn toward this. What I mean is like 
white people yes. like me were not thinking about this in 2004. Right. I was lucky enough Correct. to not have to think about this in 2004. Same. But Kanye West what did not have the privilege of not thinking about it because he was a young black man in America. So he wrote a great song about it. Correct. And yeah, and you know, I guess another thing, I, I, I'm thinking about this because I also just watched the Whitney Houston documentary on Showtime. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, I haven't watched it yet. Well, you know, it's just a, it, kind of like the documentary Amy. It just chronicles how this brilliantly talented person was basically undone by the the people around her and drugs and all of that. And I feel like also with Kanye West, even it, it seems like Kanye West may actually have some legitimate mental health issues. Cause I'm just remembering like, I, I don't know, just like some events like where he was on stage once and he started telling Jay Z to call him because people were trying to kill him and he got sent to a hospital after. So oh I feel like also, Listening to this song from the very early part of his career, it does remind me that what you said about the, the 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 line between genius and madness, and I feel like maybe another one of the reasons that his music has become so diffuse is like maybe he's just not doing very well because the pressure of what he became is overwhelming him. And, you know, you hear these early works from these brilliant people and you just hear the talent before the context of the talent has changed yeah, and like exciting and a little bit sad. But to me, it's nice to remember to go back and hear a song like this or to go back and hear Whitney Houston's early songs and think, okay, let's not forget that before they became these people that were like before they became famous, quote unquote, and fame and infamy became an important part of the conversation. They were just these brilliant artists. And uh, I like listening to songs from Kanye West's first album for that reason too, that you just hear who he is in this album in a way that's so clear in terms of him being an artist that you're going to want to pay attention to. Well, and it's, it's also easy to look back at an artist's early work once they've been, once they've crossed over into themselves TM um, and see at mm. times like, oh, well, here is where we see this seed of his eventual destruction or whatever. Um, but as you were talking about this, I was thinking of, um, I was thinking of a song, a carol that we talked about on the Christmas songs episode, Lo, How a Rose Air Blooming, and how I've always thought that that carol was, that hymn was very beautiful because it already it already knows how it ends. Like it's one of the few Christmas mm. carols. that's like, well, like this, this long awaited blessing who will deliver us is going to have to go down for the count for all of us. And it is a little bit bittersweet for that reason. Uh, but it's talking about Jesus. Duh. So uh, I don't know. That sort of reminded me of, of that, not to be comparing whatever Kanye's record company to the prophet Isaiah. I'm in so far over my fucking head right now. We should probably just abruptly end the podcast so that we could sell like geniuses. <laughs> what do you say, Regis to my Kathy Lee? How do you, how do you feel? Well, I Got will, anything else? I will say this. I think that you, to me, what you're saying about the hymn and the awareness of the fall, to me, it's just, here's how I interpreted that. It, this may not be at all what you meant, but it reminds me that 
it is very easy to put a narrative on a human being who has entered the spotlight, uh, who has become an is to put on, on any kind of artist. Mm-hmm. It's very easy to create a narrative for them that we use their work and public persona to create. And it's important for me, I feel like, to try to just get lost again in the joy of listening to the work without that narrative. Because sometimes the work itself needs to be bigger than the narrative, you know? Like, let's just savor this. And um, so... Because Lohauer Rose Era Blooming is a song that is aware of its own end, but Kanye West is not over yet. And so before I, I okay, girl, I'm getting well, lost as well. He, but there's some... all about disrupting narrative, which is why it's especially mm-hmm. tempting with him to try to impose that kind of structural order on his life by extrapolating from his songs but like part of the whole point of him as an artist is that it's not always possible to do that and sometimes you just have to live in this kind of discomfort this like uncomfortable place right because that's part of what art does well and actually that's to bring up amy winehouse you know you can't hear the song rehab without thinking about how she died sure that to me like she wrote a song about not going to rehab and then she died because she wouldn't go to rehab. Like, you know, like, uh, so with Kanye West, it's like, you hear, you're right. Like, you have to be aware of what, okay, yes, now I'm, I think I'm back with you now. <laughs> we have to be, we have to be aware of what happens later. And it does add an extra tinge of emotion and even perhaps discomfort to the experience of the great work of art. But that can be valuable instead of damning to our ability to enjoy the art. I agree. It can, and that, yes, that seems correct to me and actually ties it right back to, to what's happening in the hymn. So we've brought it back to Jesus and to Jesus, and I guess to that makes it. Amy Winehouse, <laughs> to, 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 to Jesus, to Jesus, and to Regis. And uh, you're right, now I think it's probably just time to abruptly end. Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, hosted by Mark Blankenship, that's me, and Sarah D. Bunting, and edited by Sarah D. Bunting. Need to talk to Mark and Sarah about song requests, ads, or birthday readings? Here's how. Email us at talkaboutsongs at gmail.com, tweet us at talksongs, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash mastus.podcast. And you can become a supporter and producer of this podcast at our Patreon page at patreon.com slash mastus. So until next time, thanks for listening. You see things that other people don't see and it makes you nervous. If your hands would stop shaking, you'd wipe the cold sweat off your brow. It's hard for you to think. Mark and Sarah talk about songs. They talk, talk, talk about, talk about songs. 
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.